1: A podcast that discusses the latest science and
0: research on exercise, fitness, muscle building, fat loss, and more. Here's your host, Dr. Carlos.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Today, we got a great guest, Jeremy Pricer. You can find more about him at A-Frame Athletics. That's A-Frame, F-R-A-M-E, Athletics on Instagram. You can also go to aframeathletics.com to learn more about it. What is he? He's a human movement specialist. What does that mean? Well, we're going to find out all about that in just a little bit. Before we do, you know what to do. Share, subscribe, hit that like button. You know we like it. Let's not waste any more time. Welcome to the show, Jeremy Pricer. Welcome,
0: sir. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It's always kind of odd when I've met somebody in person and then I flip around and do an interview via Zoom because I normally do Zoom interviews and then I meet somebody. It's backward, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. You know, I know when we met Jeremy, I was training with uh, Morgan uh, Morgan Lloyd folks, if you want to look him up too on Instagram, but we were training and you came in, we, uh, we showed some stuff in regards to jiu You guys were working that and that was great to watch. But then you talked about what you did and I always found it very interesting because it had something to do with I think it was Eldoa uh-huh so I never heard of this and I'd love to have you what do you do man what is this
0: well um I I started out just as you know a uh, a normal trainer trainer um about 17 18 years ago and um I got, you know, the certifications that I thought that were good, comprehensive certifications like NASM and CSCS, which is a strength and conditioning certification. Um, I've had a lot of different ones. Um, And then at a certain point, uh, a group of us had heard about a French osteopath, a guy named Guy Voyer. And Guy Voyer has a really huge... um, wealth of information and a super comprehensive uh school for uh he calls it soma training and then there's a soma therapy course and and at the end of all of this stuff there's just tons of classes to take um you're basically an osteopath school so with osteopaths um the medicine that they use uh I'm not going to say primarily because they use chiropractic and tissue work and manual therapies as well, but movement is really a huge part of osteopathy. And um, so through those studies, um, one of the things that they teach, one of the the techniques are these things called LDOAs, which is an acronym. Actually, it's a French acronym. It's E L D O A Um, in English. It's actually L-O-A-D-S, and it stands for longitudinal osteoarticular decoaptate stretch. So all that means basically is you use the the fascia in the body to create tension, and you direct that tension towards a specific joint like your L5-S1 vertebrae, and you give it space. So, the ALDOA techniques are techniques that allow somebody to give space to a specific joint. Like there's an ALDOA for every vertebrae in the body, there's ALDOAs for the uh, attachments to the ribs, um, there are ALDOAs for your AC joint, for your costoclavicular joint, uh, for the hips, all kinds of stuff. So, that's what the ALDOAs are.
1: That's interesting. And again, it's, it's sort of French based. And by the way, folks, if you, I know some people out there, they're going to hear the word chiropractic and some people wig out, but every chiropractor is different, just like medical doctors are different. So you're going to have some that do things, you know, you're going to be like, what the heck was that? But the profession itself is pretty legit.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, uh, that efficacy of, of chiropractic or there's a lot of horror stories about somebody getting adjusted and getting jacked up after that but it's just like any other profession chiropractic is a great method i think when it's dosed out properly and not in excess of it's Absolutely. awesome but you know there's a lot of people that will tell you that You know, this is exactly what you need and you need this, you know, four days a week kind of a thing. And a lot of the times you're not getting at the cause of the problem. You're just treating the symptom of a problem where there are other things that would cause a joint to be in a poor position. And when you adjust somebody, you know, you're uh, you might be getting the joint in a better position. But what brought that joint into a compromised position in the first place is not addressed. So that's where you kind of run into problem Uh, where you've got these multiple adjustments going on and there's no uh, fixing the cause of what put it there in the first place.
1: Now folks, I also mentioned Morgan Lloyd earlier and Morgan Lloyd is an MMA fighter. So uh, do you have a lot of fighters or athletes as well that you work with?
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, I try to work with as many MMA guys as I can just through my own little community. Uh, I studied jujitsu as you know, um, and I've studied with, with Morgan for many years. So you know, when he said that he wanted to start fighting, um, I had already been teaching him some of the stretching techniques that I had learned, um, as, you know, preventative maintenance, and then also sometimes maintenance, you know, for pain and, uh, you know, how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. It's not uh, not an easy sport on the body (laughs) there. No, it's not. And it requires a tremendous amount of, of maintenance. Um, and there's all kinds of good techniques. My techniques or the ones that I've learned. I shouldn't say they're mine, but, um, there there's so many good techniques and and so much knowledge out there to learn i'm not going to pretend that I'm um, the end all be all of that kind of stuff i just i have the tools that i have and i try to try to ring them for as much as they're worth and um and so yeah um i get to work with Morgan. i get to work with um quest truxton uh, who's currently yeah. fighting and um i teach a a uh, myofascial stretching class after i take jiu-jitsu um at the jujitsu academy where i study um tomaselli's right at tomaselli's yeah
1: yeah mike we had him on a couple of months ago nice
0: yeah, yeah. cool guy he's cool he's cool he's a great does, coach
1: now does eldoa include deep tissue as well is it like massage included or is it just certain stretching
0: no uh, they when you when you do the aldoas and the myofascial stretches for that matter it looks like you're holding a posture but it's very very active. Like there you're you know you're doing all these little movements for the joint position that creates more tension through the connective tissue and it's a lot of work. I mean it's very very much a strength type of exercise. Um, so you might be holding your arms over your head in a certain posture but you're reaching. You're externally rotating the shoulders. You're extending the wrist. You're spreading the fingers. All these movements create more tension. And so, you're uh It's it's not a chiropractic. It's not manual. It's it's an exercise that you do on your own.
1: Let me ask you this: I'm, we're both certified through the same organization. It sounds like I got through NASM as well. Um, mm-hmm. I got through PES. I didn't go for NSCA CSCS. It's like acronym world, folks. But yeah, um, when I went through it. I know they they talked a lot about active stretching, which I love and, and dynamic stretching. Is it similar to active stretching? Because it sounds like it may be similar. Yeah,
0: yeah I would put it in the category of, of definitely active stretching. And there's elements of um oh what's the what's the terminology? Uh Sorry, I'm drawing a little yeah. bit of a blank, but basically when mu- one muscle contracts and the other one opens up the antagonistic, uh, mm. not autogenic yeah. inhibition, but- um, oh, reciprocal. reciprocal inhibition, yep. yep. Yeah, so like there's elements of that in there because in an active stretch, you're, you are contracting muscle and then you know the antagonist lets go, that, that neural relationship is present in all of those things. Um, but yeah, it's very much an active stretch. Um, whereas opposed to like passive stretching, where, um, you know, I would hold somebody's limb or they would be lying in a certain position, allowing the body and the nervous system to just kind of like open up and down-regulate and the tissue kind of has this passive sort of release. The uh, myofascial stretches and aldoas are very, very active.
1: So let me ask you this then. So when somebody comes to see you, you obviously teach them how to do the stretches and that's probably going to take some time. It also depends on how they are Physically, an athlete's a lot easier. They can kind of have the mind-body connection, but other people may not be as. Oh, what do I got to move? Um, yeah. So does eventually they can do it
0: on their own, or they always need you? Or no, that's that's the idea. I'm really trying to make, you know, if I like if I like bill somebody on the invoice, it says you know tuition because I'm I'm really trying to present the idea that this is school. When you come in, mm-hmm. just like when you go in on the mats, right? Like when we learn a technique. The technique is applied immediately when you roll right Mm. and and then you 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 try to use it and make it yours i want people to learn the techniques so that they can maintenance themselves that's what drew me to these techniques in the first place is that if you practice them enough then they become your own tools and i use these things on myself and it's not the only thing you know that that i'm teaching it's just it so happens that people really really need To know how to stretch they really really need how to address the spine and address joint position and these are some of the best tools i found to do that also these tools are unique in that they require a lot of work and a lot of awareness right a lot of proprioceptive awareness Um, and that's information for the brain so there are exercises that you could say the exercise itself isn't like a stupid exercise it's not what i'm saying the exercise itself doesn't have a lot of information for the brain like um, if i pull push somebody's leg to stretch their hamstring i'm not really telling the brain much of anything to do but when i have somebody sit in a specific position internally rotate the hip flex the ankle you know, slide the leg past the midline, sit up tall, external rotation of the, I'm telling them to do all these things and I'm cueing them. And that's a really intelligent exercise for the brain. And so the brain has to struggle in order to get all of these things coordinated during the aldoa, during the stretch, during the strength exercise, and it learns. So when you're presenting all that information, it's kind of like drinking through a fire hose, but the brain will learn, it will struggle. And you get something out of that, whereas the other, there's not so much of that intelligence involved. You know what I'm saying?
1: You mean the passive stretching?
0: Yeah. For an example. Yeah. yeah for, not much going or, on. <laughs> or, um, or you could say like, um, like the uh, the inversion tables, right? Like people ask me all the time, like, hey, if you know, if I just kind of get on the inversion table and hang upside down, is that the same thing as the LDOA? And I tell them no because X, Y, and Z uh, what I just said to you. Um, and, and like you can get really deep and in the weeds with this kind of stuff too. Like you're, you're working with the ligaments that surround the spine. You're working with the blood vessels, the veins and arteries and nerves. Um, you're working with the intervertebral discs. You're working with the facet, you're working with a lot of different structures in the body and your brain has a conversation with the joint position and the ligaments that you're not a part of consciously. So that's going on in the background too, when you're doing these kind of uh, difficult exercises, but you know, they're worth their weight and gold that way.
1: Now, do you also include, I mean, the myofascial component, do you use anything like foam rollers or anything at all Now, um, You know, I, I have
0: nothing against foam rollers. Uh, I don't use them a lot. Uh, some of my clients like to use them. If I do use a foam roller, um it's a very very soft one because most people when they're doing because you're kind of just indiscriminately mashing tissue you know what i mean and (laughs) when you have a hard foam roller a lot of the times the body will guard against that you know like uh it doesn't feel good so the body kind of guards up and you might get the muscle tissue to relax rolling it back and forth and then it feels great when you take that source of you know pain away from the body but um I think that there are better ways to spend the time. So when people are in here, you know, I, I'm trying to use the time, the hour that I've got to teach as much stuff as I can that I find is useful, but I have nothing against it per se, but.
1: How about ranges of motion? Does that help a lot? What you're doing there with is the it help people with range of motion as well? Like hip mobility is a big one. I see a oh, lot yeah. of issues with.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Range of motion wise. Um, the, the stretching is really i mean you get great increased range of motion but how i've been taught to look at stretching through these kinds of methods and modalities is it's really about conditioning the tissue so when you're stretching ultimately what you're doing is you're hydrating the tissue because you're putting all that all that fascia that surrounds things that's organized and so when you position the limbs in a certain way and you get a maximum distance between like an origin and insertion point of a muscle. Um, the stretches are very specific so that you can target that tissue. Um, and as you breathe and you're using the diaphragm, um, that's that's a pump, you're, you're pumping water because you've got you know, intra-abdominal pressure and you've got pressure coming from the outside in. And as you breathe through the diaphragm and those tissues slide, you're getting water into the system you're getting cerebral spinal fluid into the system you're 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 really conditioning the tissue making it nice and hydrated and so that all the blood vessels and nerves and things around it can open up because that's kind of a huge problem with range of motion is that sometimes the tissue is simply stuck and there's like there's no vacancies in here right so if something's stuck and it's Mm -hmm. getting compressed and matched and it doesn't have enough space to give that fluid flow then that's where problems start you know and so it's kind of about that uh very much about that conditioning the inside of your body so that it's hydrated that being said if somebody isn't drinking enough water mm. then we we can't really start you know like i could show you some stuff but you know if you're beef jerky in there beef jerky doesn't stretch you know it just tears so you do want to be careful with this kind of stuff and at the, on the first day that i talk to anybody i always get set and ask them how, how much water they're intaking a day. Oh, really? Which most people don't even know. And they'll tell you like, I, I drink like one of these a day. And I said, well, how many ounces? And they go, well, you know, about this much. And I say, yeah, but we need to quantify that. You know? and so I won't even have them drink more water. I'll just say, Hey, pay attention and let's see if you can figure out how many ounces specifically you're drinking a day. And then we build up from there. But the hydration of the body is, I mean, like 75, 80% water, you know? So it's it's a big deal. No, it's I know.
1: B- yeah. I drink about 100, 120 ounces a day. That's usually what I'm trying to keep it up. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, by the way, folks, again, we're talking to Jeremy Pricer. You can find more information about him at aframeathletics.com. aframeathletics.com. It's over at Newport Beach, California, down on 4120 Birch Street. And his website, you can set up an appointment online. And find out a little bit more about it but honestly you really have to try it out it's one of these things when you get the experience you'll feel different there's no doubt about that let me ask you this jeremy um what are some of the more common injuries or the common work that you have to deal with is it people with uh and shoulder impingements si joint issues what's the more common ones
0: you see oh man um <laughs> that's a tough question um well I should say that I work with people that are probably anywhere in their forties and into their eighties. Uh, and you know, the ages in between, you know, 50, 60, um, 70, sometimes, uh, those are kind of like my meat and potatoes as far as, as clients are concerned. And then, you know, the MMA stuff is really, I just love that stuff. So I'm just, I, whenever I can get it, I, I like to work, work with the work with that, that population. Um, a lot of low back spine stuff, I get a lot of people over the years that mm-hmm. come in and they're injured um, or they're post physical therapy and and they're not quite there yet, or they're getting ready to go in and have a surgery. Um, a lot of that chronic pain tends to sort of manifest in like the, the lumbar spine or the cervical spine. A lot of people have like neck and shoulder issues. Um, a lot of chronic stuff, like stuff that's taken a lot of time to sort of build up the pressure to where the body eventually pays attention to it because there's pain there. Um, I've had people more and more so with uh, hip replacements. They've come in and they've had a hip replacement and they're trying to avoid getting a second hip replacement. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that the, the, the issues are pretty central in the body, like hips or shoulders, spine. Uh, it's pretty pretty popular and kind of an issue with our 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 sedentary lifestyle you know that's Uh,
1: what i was thinking a lot of people sitting down a lot driving a lot puts a lot lot of pressure on that little back.
0: yeah a lot of that and we're just not we're not made for that stuff so uh, ultimately we're really kind of trying to get a balance with people's lifestyles and then you know once we've gotten them to a place where they're not in so much pain then we can start to kind of build them up structurally with more strengthening exercises, more stability exercises. And then ultimately I'd love everybody to get on the floor and lift weights. You know, if, if their bodies are ready for that thing, it's just that a lot of the times people, um, they put fitness on top of dysfunction and that's not yeah. my terminology. That's, uh, you know, a, a Gray cook terminology or some guy like that. One of the, you know, one of the smart guys out there, but, um, it's very true. Um, people will lift weights and they put it on top of kind of a crappy foundation. And then it just kind of highlights your, your weak links and then it takes some time, but eventually, you know, somebody's dropping their keys on the floor and they go to pick it up and they're like, ah, my back. And then they say, well, I, I twisted this way and I was picking up my keys. It was like, bro, you had this coming, you know, that (laughs) was just kind of, you know, lying there and wait, waiting for the right set of circumstances to manifest. But yeah.
1: That's a good point. It, it, it's true. It does. Because I know the baseball players, when I look at those athletes, I'm a big baseball fan as well as MMA. Um, especially in baseball, I can see it. If you have muscle imbalances and you're doing certain things over and over again with those imbalances, you really increase the risk of injury.
0: Yeah. 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 And that's uh, kind of, we're, we're we're definitely in a thing where there's a lot of specialists out there. You know, with like, you know, I've got, you know, nephews and nieces and, um, you know, kids will be they will be a pitcher from the time that they're this high all the way in through high school. and By the time they get to the end of their senior year, their shoulders done, you know, because they haven't done anything other than pitch 365 days a year, you know, since they were little kids. And, um, you know, guys like my dad, who's 75, you know, he would tell you that there were more athletes in his generation, meaning that they could play any sport and they were doing all the sports all the time. And so athletically, you know, there was a better, not so much specialists, right. But a little bit more generally well-rounded athletic individuals in sports, which I can't disagree with that. Um, oh, he's right.
1: So I know yeah. studies have shown that kids played multiple sports they do much better
0: free play. It's like one of the yeah. best things for the nervous system for a little kid. Right. As much information as you can throw out their brain so they can soak it all up, change of direction, you know, hitting a ball, kicking a ball, you know, whatever, just all of it. All of oh, it. Absolutely.
1: And it's interesting because I know um, I just talked to a guy the other day, um, not a guy, but <laughs> he's a strength and conditioning coach. He works with Don. He worked with Don Fry. He's a former oh, wow. Mr. Japan. Um, he's also worked with Ichiro Suzuki. That was one of his clients as well. we were talking about the increase of injuries in the last couple of decades. I mean, and you have a therapist on the team, you got an athletic trainer on the team, you have all these experts on the team and yet the injuries today are much higher than they were just 20, 30 years ago. Now it could be they're pushing these kids much, a lot more, or like you said, they're keeping them stuck in one sport. So the repetitive trauma could be an issue with them in the future.
0: Yeah. I, I think that there's definitely something to that. I think that, um, I think that what we're we've got all kinds of great science now that we didn't have, you know, back in the sixties and fifties and forties and things like that. We've got a lot of great science and we've got a lot of great tools. And this is a great time, I think, for athletics and performance. Um, A lot of good quantification of different information. There's some really, really smart people out there that are doing some great things in, in that way. But there's also a lot of experimentation. There's a lot also, you know, through, uh, you know, Instagram and social media and Facebook and stuff. All you got to do is like throw a clip up on there and everybody's going to try that one thing, whether they're ready for it or not. Right. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> I, I think that we're really, really good as, as human beings. I think that we're very good at invention and we're piss poor at application, like responsibly <laughs> dosing this information out so that people use it correctly. And I kind of find that as a common theme, With many different contexts, but with strength and conditioning, um, I think that a good good coach and a good teacher is going to really try to express how important it is that, you know, you'll get to this point when you're ready. And then it takes the right kind of work. That being said, there's nothing that you can do about competition and injury. Like competition is like the extreme end of the spectrum. It's, you know, uh, uh, not controlled. You know, random stuff happens, people get injured, and you're supposed to be performing as fast and as furious as you can for as long as you can. That's competition, and that's way over on that end of the scale. So people are always going to get hurt. I wonder sometimes how well they're prepared for that. You know, and as far as MMA is concerned, there's a lot of athletes that are trying to go to two, three different coaches in a day. To get their striking, to get the jujitsu, to get you know uh, their strength and conditioning work in, and by the time they get to the competition, they're burnt and they're overtrained. And you know nobody's going to go into it totally without injury. But at the same time, how much attention is paid to laying off? Because as far as I know, most if not all gains are made during recovery. You know when you're doing like heavy lifting and exercise, you're you're dosing out little bits of adversity. So the body can be like maybe challenged and pushed past the threshold. And then during the recovery, that's when you you get the gains, right? But, you know, like with MMA, like with guys like Morgan, um, trying, trying to ring some of those guys in be like, hey, you just did three training sessions today. Maybe like do one or two tomorrow. It's really, really hard to kind of convince somebody that they're going to actually get stronger from doing that because in their head, it's like, no, I just missed out. And I gotta get that volume in.
1: I agree completely with you. I agree. And it's that's the big word, the key word there is recovery. Yeah. People seem to neglect recovery and preventative care. They just yeah. keep going. And and I know people thought differently, but you made two great you made a lot of great points. But one of them was things were different. Even in the eighties and the nineties, we didn't have very much research being done at all in the world of athletics it was very minimal i remember when i was a trainer in the early 90s you get one study every blue moon it's like oh everybody just logged latched onto that study and this was it you know you know you don't go squatting you you can't you can't put your knees over your feet that was the big thing back then you can't do that anybody over 40 can't squat because of the one study and one study is just really a piece of a puzzle now we know that report now now we know it's the opposite now you can put your knees over here now you uh, can squat right.
0: hey? oh bro i can't even tell <laughs> you how many things i've had to unlearn you know and, and and even in studying in and even some of the stuff that i'm learning now like i'm fairly confident in it because the anatomy and the physiology is is in it's just in the weeds you know it's like it's it's so detailed but um that happens all the time, you know, like how I would teach somebody to the squat when I first started doing this back in like, you know, 2006 or seven and how I'd approach that movement now is entirely different, entirely different. Um, and I had, I had, I had back surgery when I was like 25 or 26. So I had to go through rehab for that. And some of the stuff that I'm doing now I never would have thought that I was going to be doing and I never would have thought that I was going to be teaching certain methods to people with, say, like spine issues um, and spine pain and stuff like that. So it's the environment is totally dynamic and it's always changing. And just when you think you got something nailed down. Guess again, you know, there's going to be some other information that comes out next year some other coach, some other scientist is going to discover something else, or they're going to rediscover something old that people left alone for a long time. And uh, yeah, it's, that's just kind of the way it is. The good
1: thing is funding is high now. So now we're getting a lot of
0: studies and hopefully
1: they'll minimize a lot of that. Oh, mistake thing. And now they're kind of, cause I, it's funny. I trained a couple people. I have one, a 90 year old. And um, I was just talking to this to another guy too, who's an Olympic lifting coach. And we were talking about it. It's just fascinating to see how a 90-year-old can respond to certain things. I'll have her do a modified T-test, uh, T-drill, mm-hmm. so that she kind of walks forward, goes to the side, side, comes back. She does that. And then she does um, a modified snatch with a bar, doesn't even use weight, just a little bar, like a little five-pound bar that you would use. And she lifts that. But all those ranges of motions, and it's just fascinating to watch them. And they love it, because this is like, this is an Olympic lift what yeah. it's Olympic lift and it almost like rejuvenates them it's bizarre to watch
0: oh yeah and I think learning learning new stuff I think is is huge to be a happy individual you know like to keep you stoked to keep learning like even if you've been doing your profession for 20 30 40 years I I find that the greatest coaches are always the curious coaches the greatest teachers are always the curious teachers. They never stop learning. They're always asking a question. They're always geeking out on something. Um, and you know, I, I think when you teach a ninety-year-old something new, and it has to do with movement, where that maybe they thought they had lost that thing, you know, and you show them that their body's still capable of those things, that's that's got to light them up, you know. That's that's it that's. Does. Cool.
1: Yeah, well said it it definitely does it 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 really does light up her eyes and i have a couple other ones who have been i've been working with these individuals for 15 years but they're like 78 80 and i really enjoy that population because um there's a lot of wisdom there and it's great to get them to feel like they're young again in a sense yeah absolutely you know it's and that's one of the populations too i guess we'll stick on that for a second i know we're coming towards the end but That population, if they don't do things, it can become very problematic for them, as you mentioned. So if you're 50 or 60, life gets to you. Get it. Busy, kids, things of that nature. And people start neglecting stretching a lot. They don't take care of themselves. They're stressed out all the time. I can see why your clientele is up in that range because of that factor alone. And like we talked about earlier, if you work out with the dysfunctions, but even if you don't work out, you just let these dysfunctions get stronger and stronger. Like uh, what do they used to call it in NASM? Upper cross syndrome, right? Yeah, so upper cross, the, cross. yeah. Yeah. Front shoulder roll thing for those who don't know the, the term. So if your shoulders are rotating forward, that's going to be something that's going to cause a lot of issues in their neck and their head. Do you see that a lot in regards to your clients?
0: As far as like upper cross, lower cross stuff?
1: Yeah, especially upper cross. I see a lot of that kyphosis type of thing going on with people.
0: Uh yeah, I I see a fair amount of that. Um there's always a relationship between the hips and the shoulders, you know, and I I'd, I'd read once that, you know, in Chinese medicine they call those joints the four knots because they're both, you know, like a ball and socket kind of uh joint. Um There's and there's a lot of connective tissue not just through the musculoskeletal system but through the organs. Um, the diaphragm is actually a huge player in that upper cross, lower cross syndrome because improper use of the diaphragm changes the muscles that you use to breathe. And a lot of people end up with a very flared rib cage and that and an anteriorly tilted pelvis. And that's in uh there's another thing called a DNS is another field of study, but they uh, say that's like an open scissors posture, but the way that the diaphragm works um, or doesn't work in most cases <laughs> really affects the posture and it affects the neck, affects the shoulders, affects the hips. Because like we said earlier, um, you know, you have this inner abdominal pressure. And so, you know, inside of here, part of what keeps you upright and going is that air pressure and the diaphragm is kind of the big boss of that. And the diaphragm connects to the lumbar spine and kind of comes up and through the rib cage, kind of like in a, in a mushrooms, mushroom shape, and you've got some really important stuff that passes right through the top of it. Um, the inferior vena cava the heart passes through that, the esophagus passes through the other end of that. Um, and so if that diaphragm gets kind of stuck, now you've got problems with those vessels. And if the pelvis gets tilted forward, now you've got problems with the base of that structure of the diaphragm. So the, there's a huge component in that for people's posture is simply their breathing pattern. Um, and like you said earlier, like lifestyle wise and life is hard. There's a lot of stuff going on. You can't always just pay attention to the things that you've got going on. You've got kids, you've got family, you've got work, you've got stress. Um, managing all that stuff is difficult. And I think that um, getting people to just simply be, you, you can't get around personal accountability and common sense. Those two things. If somebody has issues or problems to sit down and just honestly reflect on what they're doing during the day, what they're not doing thats you know should be healthy, like water or food or whatever, sleep. A lot of people have a hard time kind of sitting with that reality and they look for something exotic to be wrong. Well, I've got this condition that befell me. I've got this thing that you know, I'm a victim of this thing where in fact, maybe you should just have a little bit of accountability and just some basic common sense and this shit takes time, pardon me, to to develop in somebody's nervous system, in somebody's body, and it's going to take some time to get you out of it. And a, a lot of things are solved just by looking at those things and just sticking to the fundamentals. It doesn't have to be super fancy. You know, so for somebody that's in their 50s and 60s, for them to sort of sit down and have that conversation with themselves, um, I think that, that that carries a lot of weight, you know, and then they see, it's like, if I can just, be consistent on the daily with some things, some self-care that over time, this stuff gets better and I can manage it for the rest of my life. And that's right. That's the goal, you know, is just consistency. Because most stuff like exercise routines and diets and, you know, statistically, I actually read once that most diets fail because people don't stick on them for more than like six months.
1: That's right.
0: So it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're just not going to stick with it. So it's not going to work, you know,
1: especially the ones where they have removed stuff. You got to yeah. take everything out that has this. Like, oh, okay, it leaves me with fruits and vegetables. I'll be damned. <laughs> take all that out. Oh, it leaves me just fish. Um, you made some great points I want to highlight before we start getting ready to wrap up. Because one of the things that folks out there, you know, we're doing this series on on health. and uh, We're doing a series. Where we're interviewing podiatrists. We have a minimalist shoe expert coming on in the next couple of weeks. He did some research in the UK on it. Oh, cool. One of the things we keep hearing is this theme that you mentioned, the kinetic chain effect. If one thing in the in the neck starts hurting, it starts going downwards. Your body's muscles are going to start trying to compensate and it just mm-hmm. keeps going down, 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 down. And we've heard it with the dentist that we had on a couple of weeks ago, folks, uh, with the gum disease. Uh, you let it ride for a while. And Jeremy, you got a great point. Some things, yes, can happen immediately, but a lot of things build over time. So, the gum disease may not get your heart now, but there's studies that show that it can cause problems in the cardiovascular system because of the increasing bacteria that goes into the circulatory system. And that's oh. over time. <laughs> Same thing here with the, with the muscles and stuff. That takes time. But like you said, the key thing is it takes time to help it get back out too.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. so. And, and if you, I, I like to garden, I don't know if you garden at all, but you, you notice in, in nature, it's it takes a long time to grow something. And it takes no time to destroy it. <laughs>
1: That's about right.
0: Like I, I just grew a tomato and it took six months, and now I'm gonna eat that thing in three seconds. You know what I mean? Like, and I think the human system is is no different than that. Um, you know, it takes sometimes uh sometimes it takes a long time to destroy something, I guess slowly, but ultimately to build anything back up, it just takes time in the right information in the right environment, you know. So what you're putting inside of yourself what you're surrounding yourself with and what you're doing you know all those things count all those things matter and with as far as the connected chain um and, and and that that idea of you know my my ankle injury when i was a kid affected my hip replacement you know when i was an adult you know that's that's for real everything is connected it's a brilliant system and one of the things that I learned um, through the osteopath um, through through the uh, teachings and stuff is um, he uses a principle. It's an architectural principle called tensegrity and it was brought up by Buckminster Fuller and Mm -hmm. it's the idea of tension and compression. So, you know, if, you know, this, this little thing here, it's kind of beat up, but basically if you could see, this is like a model of the pelvis and the tension of the rubber bands holds the distance between these you know these would be joints and the and the weight of the sticks or like the struts in architecture right would be the compression component and between the compression and the tension the joints stay in the middle everything is equidistant you know there's no friction um there's no grinding of the articular surfaces and and that's kind of the goal is to provide the balance in the system between the hydration and the tension of the tissues and the position of the joints uh to keep everything you know in a good position because you gotta pay to play you know you gotta pay to do jujitsu you gotta pay to sit at a desk you gotta pay to lift weights it's a lot of compression life is compression and so you have to have something to normalize that stuff. And I thought that that, that concept of tensegrity, um, as it applies to the body, is really, really useful for trying to explain, well, how did this thing turn into that thing, you know, over the course of whatever, 20 years, five It's a good model. Yeah,
1: you had that. That was a pretty clever. I like that. Excellent. Yeah, tensegrity kind of reminds me of the yin and the yang kind of philosophy from Eastern yeah. Asia. Yeah. Everything's about balance, right? Everything's about balance. Folks, again, you can find out more about Jeremy Pricer over at A-Frame Athletics. A-Frame Athletics, if you're in California, then you can go check him out over at Newport Beach. If you're visiting California, you can check him out at Newport Beach. (laughs) Either way, go to A-Frame Athletics. You can also find him over on Instagram at A-Frame Athletics as well. Jeremy, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us
0: today. Oh, thank you so much, Doc. I really appreciate it. It's my first podcast, so. <laughs> oh,
1: there you go. <laughs> oh, you did a great job. Did a great job. Thank you. Again, my folks. And remember one thing, folks. Sometimes people get blocked or locked down into one therapy or intervention. You never know. Really, honestly, sometimes I've seen people who try physical therapy, chiropractic, and it doesn't work, and then they go try something else they hadn't heard of, maybe EMDR, and it does work for them. It's that one intervention that works for everything. There's no panacea, as they would say, for your medical injuries. So check it out. If you've tried a lot of things, hey, definitely check out A-Frame Athletics. You know what to do. Share, subscribe, hit that like button, and go stretch.
0: (laughs) Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team,